Welcome, everyone, to the Love Shared Podcast. This, uh, this is the show that explores how God is moving in the community of the River Church in Redlands, California. Tonight is very exciting because this is our pilot episode, the first episode that we're doing on the Love Shared Podcast. And uh, we're going to make this a regular thing every third Thursday of the month. Our, our three co-hosts, the three of us, are going to get together and talk about the stories about uh, the stories of the people in the river and how God is moving in their lives. So, if you're a, if you're somebody who likes to hang out on Google Hangouts, you can join us every third Thursday of the month at eight thirty p.m. That's when we're going to be recording this. So let's start off by introducing the hosts of this show, starting with Terry Heemstra. Terry. Talk to us a little bit about yourself and tell us why you're excited about the Love Shared podcast. Um, okay, a little bit about myself. I don't know for sure what you want to know about me. I am a River member, of course, been there for 30-something years. 30-something um, years? Something, 33 <laughs> years. And uh, I, um, I, this podcast is kind of something that I've been waiting to see happen for a long time um mostly just actually our blog in general we have a blog and we'll tell you a little bit about it later but just people sharing their stories and in different forms media formats and a podcast being one of them uh something about a podcast i just love that people can uh talk and discuss and um and and it's just a free form uh, way of doing that, and I just love that idea. So I'm excited to see that happen. Very cool. And uh, Nick, Nick Intout, who has served as a staff member at the River for a number of years in, I don't know, various capacities or one capacity. I don't know what you'd like to say on that, but uh, you're kind of changing roles at the river as we speak. Like I can see you, I can see you morphing into a new role. Yeah. Just right now over the, over the screen. So Nick Intout, tell us about yourself and why is this podcast important to you? You know, I grew up in a family Lynn where we told great stories and I've always been drawn to, uh, to sharing stories. Um, I love being at a table uh, with people. And when there is no table, man, Google Hangout is the way to go, I guess. So um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to growing through, uh, through the story and uh, watching others have an opportunity to um, share their story. I think this could be a cool medium to do that. So here we go. Very good. And I am the third... Uh... The third co-host, the uh, third amigo, uh, and so, and I'm excited about this because I, uh, you know, I like good conversations. I love storytelling, and I've uh, I've kind of gotten into podcasting as I have sort of a work commute uh, that keeps me on the road a couple hours a day for a long time, and so podcasts have been big part of my media diet for the last couple of years. And so it's kind of fun to not just listen to, but to create a podcast. And I've been a member of the river ever since I came out to California. Was that 12 years ago? I suppose my wife and I have been here. And uh, so it's, it's fun to be part of creating something for the church community. And that's what this is all about is creating something that the community can kind of dive into and learn about each other learn about itself so why why did you come to redlands lenny by the way well, from all the way from like north dakota or wherever you're south north dakota, dakota minnesota from god's country you mean yeah why did you come to redlands i mean i'll tell you nick how, how did you i'm gonna tell you here? yeah that's why i asked i like, <laughs> you'd like to i followed a girl that's all the, right. Yeah. So, and that's that's really the uh, the best way to travel is following a girl. Nice. Uh, so, so I followed a girl, and I was just uh, so darn smitten. I decided to marry her, and luckily she decided to marry me. So, here we are, three three kids later. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Midwest <laughs> boy living in SoCal. That's right. We're still on our two year adventure here in SoCal. Right on. Cool, man. Uh, 
All right, Terry has done some research on our theme for tonight. The topic for tonight is the power of story. Now, the Love Shared podcast, um, as I mentioned, we're going to be exploring lots of different stories of how God is moving in the community of the people at the river. And so that that means we're going to be bringing in uh, members of the river to ask them questions and have them tell us how God is moving in their lives. Uh, Tonight, we don't have we don't have a guest for the show, but uh, we're just going to kind of explore this idea of what story means to humanity, why it's important and how powerful it is to communities and how they identify themselves and uh, and, and and just how we uh, live life together through our stories. So, Terry, you're going to start us off with this topic the power of story. So I'm going to let you take it away. What have you got for us? All right. Um, well, I was kind of challenged to uh, look for some sort of article or something that really talked about the power of a story. Um, I mean, a lot of us know that stories are powerful because we hear them and we um, we experience something through them. But just kind of um, looking at why why is it that way was kind of an important thing for me. And I asked, I sort of reached out on Facebook and asked a couple people specifically um, if they had any recommendations of a really good article. And um, one of the gentlemen that I asked actually has a book um, called Tell Me a Story. This is, uh, and it's by uh, Scott McClellan, who is the guy, gentleman I asked. And um, do you know, he, do you know the author like personally? How did you no, hook up with I mean, Scott McClellan? He's, um, he's kind of a creative director, or he was a creative director for a church. Um, and then uh, he used to do like they they have these uh, conferences out. Um, I think he's from. Texas, Dallas, or something. They have a conference out there. It's a creative arts conference called Echo, and he's just been involved in doing podcasts and different things that I've listened to over time. And um, a part of a magazine that I used to read a ton of, and then um, just kind of befriended him from from Facebook. So it's just a online friend per se. Um, but just kind of asked them specifically if they had any good ideas for something for me to read, and then the he kind of said, actually, I have this book that I wrote. <laughs> and I was like, that's, oh, that's, that's awesome. convenient. Yeah, so it worked yeah, out really nice. good. And, um, so I went down to my local Christian bookstore. <laughs> Which is? And uh, Sela Christian Bookstore. Ah, okay. Just, uh, just and, thought I mentioned um, that. Yeah. yeah, you know. Um, and uh, purchased the book. And just I haven't read all the way through the book because I just bought it on, like, Tuesday, I think. But um, I just wanted to kind of skim through it and find um, just a little bit about what we're talking about here, which is the story, like the power of stories kind of within the church themselves. Um, and, and what's the, what's the name of the book again? Tell me a story. Me tell me a story. Again. Okay. I don't know if it's backwards for you or, <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's a pretty good read. It's pretty thin read. So it's not that it's not that hard. And it's like, you want to get through, you want to keep reading it, which is really cool. Um, and it goes a lot farther beyond just like the importance of a story, but it, it kind of goes into depth about how to really become a storyteller. Um, and in more ways than one, not just sharing your testimony, but um, in preaching the word and sharing the gospel and just all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more to the book, but um the chapter that I read really for tonight was um, the Storyteller Church and Community because I really wanted to get um, an in-depth look into that more so because that's what we're doing. And um, one of the, there was a few things that kind of came out of the book for me. Um, and first of all, just how he talked about the fact that like community is necessary for us, not just as a church, but like as human beings, we it's necessary for us to have community. Our brains actually don't function without it. Um, we have we need the support and the teaching in order to for our brains and our really our lives to flourish. And that community is that important for us. Um, and he just kind of started out in that sense because um, 
it's also very important when it comes to the gospel and it comes to scripture that community is also um, vital to that. Um, so it's then, it's not just a, a nice to have, but it's necessarily like biologically community is that important that it's it seeps yes. into our very our very biological makeup. Yes, exactly. Um, and so that just reading that for me was kind of a I don't know it's just a good reminder um, that we can't we can't really function individually. Um, I'm a single person, so it's easy to do that, but <laughs> to try anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his point that like communities are sort of formed and shaped around a big story, like around a meta story. And that was kind of my, my next point is that he talks about um, how in that community we're unified. Um, our stories, our individual stories are more, are unified by one thing. And a lot of times I, I look at it, I, it's kind of like, well, duh, we know that God, you know, and the church, God is the one thing that unifies our story. And that's true. But the way he says it is more that our stories are actually unified by the fact that they're um, eternal. They don't have an ending. Every single story that you've ever heard, no matter what it is, even this book has an ending to it. Um, but as our testimonies, they are eternal stories. They don't have an ending because we're rooted in God and we have eternity. And so that was something that was really cool to me because I didn't really think about that. Um, but that's one of the things he said was that we as a community become unified by our stories because our stories all have that one um, thing in common. Um, mm. And that's this God's eternity, you know, and that was really cool. Um and then he also said to us as well that in God, in Scripture, the stories of God call us to what they say remember. Uh, when like when we take communion and um, you know we say you know we need to remember this this quote unquote story of God because that's what it is a story that Jesus died on the cross for us. Um, we all, we need to remember that story, and by and the way for us to remember that is by telling it to each other, right. um, so reminding each other of that story. And so that was really huge because we can't just live in community, and we can't just have our stories. We have to remember our stories. We need to share them and tell each other what they are. And so guys, those, all those uh, things were just really cool. Yeah. And sorry to interrupt. Do you guys think <laughs> that we? Um, you know, in 2014, in the 21st century, and even in the 20th century, are we losing that capability, that muscle, that storytelling muscle that humanity has had for so many thousands of years? Do you think we're losing some of that in, in our modern uh, society? I think it depends on who you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, but no, I don't think so. Um, I just think we tell our stories differently. A lot differently. Okay. What do you mean by that? Unpack that. Um, well, especially at least for me, when I look in the like on the creative aspect of it, I think we tell our stories a lot differently. We tell our stories online, and through I mean th- through videos and through art and through all of those kinds of things, we find ways to tell our story that way. Um, but I now, definitely think it's changed. Yeah, you've you've got a tagline underneath your name that says movies editing. Um, you know, you're kind of Terry. You're kind of a media, um, sort of a media guru, or I don't know. <laughs> you're heavy into the media, you know. So, Nick, what do you think? You're you're a kind of a media moron. So, would you say that? <laughs> so, would you agree with Terry that? We're not losing that storytelling muscle, but uh, we're just telling it differently. We're telling stories in a different medium now, and we haven't lost anything in that. Um, it's just different. Yeah, I think we have moved from um, like the audio storytelling culture or audio, where you know people would sit around a campfire, and you you know you even like read the Bible, and we talk about the word and the word and the word. Uh, which is great, but I mean, most of those stories were initially shared around a campfire. You know, um, that history was passed down orally uh, for hundreds and thousands of years um, before it was ever recorded. And then I think we moved from being kind of an audio 
audio culture, um, oral storytelling to more of a um, textual storytelling culture, you know, where we read our stories. And um, there are still people, believe it or not, who read books. And um, I want names. You know, my wife, Julie, is currently reading a book. <laughs> nice. Hi, Julie. Hey. She, she is reading. Right Julie now. just made her debut on the Love Shared podcast. All right. You are okay. officially a part of the podcast. But yeah, I think now we've moved to more of a visual storytelling culture where um, images, you know, even um, things like a uh, Snapchat or an Instagram or, um, you know, Facebook. Facebook became, became kind of passe because nobody wanted to read that many words. You know, it's way easier just to see an image and like an image. Um, and I don't think it's because we're lazy. I think it's just because of the nature of, of change. Um, and so we're becoming more and more inspired by images. Um, and that, in turn, shapes our brain. And so I think that would be a really interesting conversation at some point about story, is to kind of look at um, how we've become a visual storytelling culture and what implications that has for how we do community and do relationship and even share in life together. So. Yes, we are still a storytelling culture, and yes, I agree with Terry that the way and the medium that we've used and are using to tell stories has shifted. Cool. But I still love a good story, Len. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd love to just get around and, you know. And I to get around I think, that campfire. Yeah. Get around that campfire. <laughs> I think I remember my aunt was an was just a fantastic storyteller, and I remember we all knew that in the family, Aunt Bev was the storyteller of the family. She could tell a story better than anybody else. Um, and so it was like her role. When the family got together, her role was to tell stories about the family and about our experiences together. And, you know, with... Was the, nature of, was the nature of that story entertainment or was the nature of that story informational or was it sort of like the story is what gave the moral compass for your family what was like generally the nature or was it all of those in one kind of it was less informational i think it would start out on the surface as being entertainment oriented you know we were all sitting around and she would tell stories and we would laugh because she was funny um, but it like you mentioned it also shaped our family identity, who we saw ourselves as. So she would talk about how, you know, Grandpa McBride broke the uh, broke the rule stick over Uncle Russ's bottom uh, when he was naughty, and how Uncle Russ just laughed at Grandpa McBride. And uh, you know, she would tell those stories to. It would teach us a little bit about where we came from and who we are. Mm -hmm. And you know, she would tell stories about living on the ranch and uh, some of the lean years on the ranch and, and how when she was growing up, you know, they, they would have, they would have soup one night and then they'd put more water in the soup the next night to, to feed the kids a meal the next night, you know? And so we got that kind of ingrained in us as kids that, you know, we come from, we come from hardy stock, that you know have been through hard times that's who we are that's our identity and yeah. so i think aunt bev's role as the storyteller was not just to make us laugh and entertain us but it was also it also served as a way for us to form an identity of ourselves that was larger than our own personal experiences right i think i was in new mexico this summer and we went and visited um, a guy named jimmy he was a Navajo uh, elderly gentleman, probably about 70, and he lived on this land, um, this piece of land, about 2,000-plus acres his entire life, and he knew this land very, very well. Uh, and he told a story about an aunt of his um, who we, she, she was a, a shepherd, and one day while she was pregnant, she went out in, into the land with the sheep. Um, she gave birth to her baby, uh, she slung that baby back, uh, you know, over her, um, got back on the horse, and took all the sheep back inside before she went in to lay down herself. 
and he told that story to all these kids as if to say, you know, something very similar. Um, you know, that the world that he grew up in uh, and his family grew up in was very different than the world that the kids are growing up in. And, you know, they, they just don't make them like they used to, um, was kind of his point. But, you know, what an, an amazing way. I mean, these kids, we were just like glued, you know, to, to his uh, to every word. Because, um, yeah, I think we're part of how our, we're hardwired. I think our brains are wired for, for story. Like, um, I think as a way of teaching, story goes um, way beyond, uh, you know, just sort of informational, um, factual uh, presentation. And, uh, you know, I think it, it moves us in, in a far deeper way than, uh, than just facts can. So. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So yeah, we're, I think we're becoming a visual storytelling culture, but I I do think the art of the audio, uh, you know, story um, and the that ability. You look at a stand-up comedian. That's somebody who has an entire audience for about mm -hmm. an hour, and they don't have any props or any gimmicks. It's just their voice and their words. And there's something that opens up, I think, in people's imaginations um, when we are able to develop that ability well and when we're able to use that you know I, I don't know if this is good or bad but still the predominant way that most churches communicate the most amount of information about who God is is you know one person getting up and, and talking and so um, there's still something there I think that uh, that we're hungry for that's really really you know primal and is a part of, of how we're wired and put together that's an interesting point that you make that, you know, with all of the That's changes in media, <laughs> good. Yeah. with all of the changes in how we create and consume media in the rest of our lives, why do you think on Sunday mornings we still go back to let's listen to one person talk in front of a crowd for 20 or 30 minutes do you really want to go there on our first podcast? You want to ask that question on our I, first podcast? That's why I asked it. <laughs> well, I'll let Terry answer that one since. Uh... Well, first, I would say, although I think um, our ways of telling stories have changed, I don't think that the other ways of stories have gone out the window. I know. I mean, I think Nick said that already, but. Um, I think there are lots of ways in which that's still happening. Like he said, comedians and I think musicians do that. And I think you look at like TED Talk and NPR and they still exist because people still want to listen to them and they still have great stories to tell. Um, and I think that people are still hungry to learn. And when you you're hearing when you get to hear um, stories like that and they're they're well told and they have important things to teach us, then we want to listen. Um, I think when it comes to church, it's even it's a little bit different because you're not just ha talking, you're not coming just to listen, but you're coming to be a community and you're coming to worship together and you're coming um, just to, to give and to serve and to be served and just like all of those things. And um, we need that as well as a community of God, you know, and that's important for us. So although the teaching is also is a huge part of it and the, really the main part of it and we definitely want to come because we de we want to learn more there's a lot more to sunday morning than just that talk time too. well i think i think terry is very generous probably more generous than i would be uh, where i agree 100% with her that the community piece is um, what's integral uh, i think the reason that we still use that as the primary means of teaching or communicating or whatever is be I think it's because it's efficient mm -hmm. and I think it comes out of a culture of efficiency and so the most efficient way to communicate the most amount of information is for designate a person to be sort of the spokesperson and um, you know that's what I think it comes out of I don't know that it's necessarily the most effective but it's probably the most efficient and so now if i were to be the devil's advocate and i don't yeah, know if i that's can what you should do is the host yeah. if i well we're all hosts but that's right uh, i guess we i'm not even sure am i allowed to be the devil's advocate on a church podcast is that I think all right so. okay sure, why yeah. not 
<laughs> so I, I might even say that it's not the same as it used to be. Church is not the same as it was 20 years ago when we didn't have these other media forms. Uh, you know, look what we're doing right now. We are on Google Hangout on a live feed broadcasting to the world, if anybody is out there who wants to listen to us. And then we're going to create a feed that people can subscribe to and listen to on their whatever device they have, on their iPod or their uh, Android, whatever it is, and listen to a church podcast. And that's different than it was 20 years ago. So it's not just, the media is not just about Sunday morning anymore. Terry works her tail off on creating new media for our church community that uh, people consume not just on Sunday mornings, but but round the clock. They can access the blog. Uh, they can go to the website and watch videos. Um, so I would also say that I'm not so, so sure that I believe the idea that I first uh, formed that we haven't changed at all in uh, in the last 20 years with how we produce and consume information through the church community. I think it's both. I think we've changed and I think things are still the same. I, I mean, you know, I think there are things that the formula still works kind of, but we've changed the way that we do it. I don't know if that's the way to explain it, but, um, or I, I think to like being a part of a creative arts team, um, we recognize that there is a way that church works, um, but we also recognize that we have the ability to be creative within that, um, that sort of con confines a bit. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that's, that's where it's changed is that people have said, you know, um, our God is a creative God and we want to be a part of that because he created us. And so how can we work within this efficiency, efficient format to create, create something to I don't I don't know yeah well um, I think what I think what we're doing and what you're affirming Terry is that you know everyone does have a, a voice and I don't think it was ever the intention of uh, Jesus or, or any of his disciples that one person should be the voice of God for a community and you know other communities have um, various traditions of uh, I have a friend who's a part of a, you know, kind of a smaller church, and uh, they have about, you know, a dozen different people who, who speak and share because, you know, they do believe in the multiplicity of, um, of leadership and, and even of a variety that the Holy Spirit speaks through, um, through all of us in some way, shape, or form. And yeah, I think when when the church becomes really big, when a community becomes very large, you can't have everybody speak can't have everyone talk at once because it just becomes chaotic um but you know that's the difference between sitting in a room with you know three or 20 people um people get a chance to share stories and and you know go around the table and and uh, talk about you know where god is at work in their life and i think that's part of the goal of this podcast is to say hey this is an opportunity for us to highlight some of the other stories um that we don't have time for necessarily or uh, that people might not have an opportunity to share elsewhere. This is a, a medium where that can happen. And so it's kind of like a, a big old living room maybe for the river. This would be like a living room with a whole bunch of people and sitting around sharing, you know, sharing stories. So I, I wanted to say something else about the power of stories. And You're you know, out of time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the worst one. <laughs> Well, I guess what I just you... wanted to ask the question, Terry, maybe of you, if, if this was a part of the book, and, um, like, why is it that we are so drawn to a, uh, to a personal story, you know, relative to, let's say, a list of facts, um, or a description even of, um, you know, of something? It's, I, I don't think it's coincidental that we're all excited about this. Uh, and, you know, Jesus, um, two-thirds of his teaching is done in in a story format. Um, you know, there's something in us. What What is that? Can you unpack that a little bit or say something about that and why it is that um, a, a good story uh, pulls us in? And That's a good point because Jesus could have 
been a lot more efficient maybe with his teaching, don't you think? He could have just come with a scroll and said, here are the uh, 147 immutable laws of following me. But he didn't do that. He spent three years telling stories and walking around and gathering crowds around him and telling stories. Why would he do that instead of going for the more uh, industrial efficiency method? Um, yeah. I, I don't have anything clever to say other than um, I know he talked about this in the book That's what a little podcast bit. That's all about, Terry, but finding <laughs> clever things to say. Uh, no, I, I don't have anything clever to say other than um, it's a, it's the best way that we're going to remember something. Um, when he talked about it a little bit in the book, but I don't rem- I can't, don't remember exactly what he said, but he did talk about how, um, you know, we have a lot of sermons that have these, they have their individual points for you to try to remember. You know, Pastor uh, Bill is really good at all his points start with the letter P or, Alliteration. or whatever, but... And and although we try to make that very easy to remember, we actually forget it really quickly. Whereas a story, it's the, it's the thing we we remember the the most and the easiest. Um, I I don't I can't I can't destruct de, uh, a story for you and explain why that is necessarily. But I do know that that's that's true. I mean even if I think about all the stories I've heard and the movies I've watched and all of that, I can, if you told me to tell you the story, I could pretty much basically give you an outline of most of the things, stories I've heard. But if you were to tell me to go back to the sermon this last Sunday and give you all of the points that he gave, I probably couldn't do that. Um, yeah. I think, I think it has something to do with the fact that we are emotional creatures. You know, we're not robots. And, Robots can remember data, um, but they have no frame of reference for emotions. And we are some, at some level, some combination of that of data slash emotion. And I think stories have a way of tapping into our own past experiences or our own identity on an emotional level that facts and data do not. And that's why they're more memorable. That's why they have carry more meaning to us. Yeah. You know, do you remember a while back? I don't know when it was, um, but there was, I think it was an English guy who came out with a way of, of taking notes called mind mapping. Do you remember this? I don't. I've never heard of it. Okay. Well, essentially what he discovered, he, he was a like a neurologist or, or some sort of brain doctor, and um, he discovered that the brain is actually... Uh, like a connection of of you know plants and roots and system um, where one thing is is connected to another thing and it's this massive map as opposed to a um, I don't know a list or a bunch of columns you know mm-hmm. and um, so this is why we we kind of engage around a story because it is sequential and one thing builds on the next thing. So if I start here, well, the logical next step is going to be here, and the next step after that's going to be, you know, here, um, as opposed to trying to memorize a list uh, where one thing doesn't build on the other. And in education, you, know, you call this scaffolding, where you're unable to get to B unless you've learned A. And so it's really important for people to first hear and learn A. And I think that story sort of uh, flows out of that same biological and neurological, uh, you know, way that we are wired. Um, that our our we're built. We're constantly building on the thing that we spoke before us, or, or the thing that was spoken or said before us. We're building B on A and C on B, and um, I think story follows that pattern. And so, um, like you both said, it is memorable. Um, it's something we can walk away with and we can actually share and tell to somebody else, um, which is why it's incredibly important for us to be sharing and telling stories, um, not just because they're memorable, but because uh, I think it's they're most in line with, with who we are as people. Um, it's something we, we were created with the capacity and ability and a desire to do. So. 
What do you guys think of if we asked a hundred people at the river or everyone at the river individually, what is the story of the river? Do you think there's this common thread that runs through the story of the river that everybody would recognize? Yes, this is the river. Um, I think the storytellers, um, and that's the interesting thing is every story and every experience needs to be framed, you know, or, or everything. The story is just the answer to kind of the question, what just happened? Well, you look at the gospels and they all tell a different story about Jesus in light of their own kind of filter. And so I think you're going to have variation in what is the story of the river. Uh, if you ask Will Verhoof that, he's going to give you a different, you know, angle than if you ask, um, you know, somebody who's a little bit newer to the community, and they're going to have a different angle than someone like a Henry Sturzma, who's been around for forever, and they're going to have a different angle than Terry, who's been there for forever, but she's been, you know, more involved in the creative aspect of it. So, I think, um, I think each story is sort of filtered through the eyes of the beholder. And, uh, yeah, I think you would have a, a number of different different perspectives on what the story of the river is. What yeah, do you I think, mean, Beth? unless you go back to, you can go, we can go back to what they, they were saying about the unity of our story. Um, we all have one specific unity to our story, and that's the eternity of God. That's, that's God's story. That's the one thing that all these stories have in common. But at the same time, every single story is totally different from the other. Um, so, yeah. Well, and this, this is where I think in a community, the storytellers become really important, and that's for the next generation. Yeah. Because every story ha gets framed. You and I might see the same exact thing and tell a very different story based on, hey, are we a pessimist or an optimist? What is our perspective of the future? You know, what is our, our idea about where God is taking this thing? And in light of that, we're going to shape our story differently. I wonder if you would ask the Egyptians at the time of Israel to give their account of what occurred, if that story would sound very different. Or if you would ask the Romans in the time of Jesus to give their account of what occurred, if they might not tell a very different story than what the gospel writers tell, which I think is... You know, it's, it's true. You would get a very different account and a very different perspective based on, you know, their sort of worldview and um, personality. And it's like the game of telephone. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of an exaggerating thing, but it is. I mean, each each generation is going to have another sort of adaptation to that story and that thing. Which is why I think you get that, what you started with, Terry, that idea that it's incredibly important to remember um, and make sure that the, the people who are telling the story are doing it through the lens of God's redemptive movement in the world. You know, that the story that they're telling ties in this, this overarching theme that God is at work in the world um, to redeem and to restore, uh, to rescue it, to bring it back to, you know, relationship with himself and um, our sort of smaller stories are connected to that movement you know and that's the, the sort of the arc and the shape of the biblical narrative so. so do you think we have a responsibility as members of the community what what is our responsibility when okay. it comes to telling our story I'm glad you asked that question because I actually wanted to read a quote from this book. It's actually a quote of a quote. I mean, it's him saying, quoting other people, but um, it says, The confessing church, a body which seeks the visible church, a place clearly visible to the world in which people are faithful to their promises, love their enemies, tell the truth, honor the poor, suffer for righteousness, and thereby testify to the amazing community creating power of God. This church knows that its most credible form of witness and the most effective thing it can do for the world is the actual creation of a living, breathing, visible community of faith. So I think that that is like, I think that's the most important thing is that we live as a community. We tell our stories in the world 
and the people around us, like, we're testifying to those people. They're seeing that in our lives. They're seeing the living, breathing God in us. Um, I think that's, to me, the biggest part, the most important part about it, um, about telling our stories to each other, not just that we remember God, but that others around us are seeing that vis- that God visibly. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I think the responsibility, like Terry said, is to embody that meta narrative. If it's true, is it that... the same? Is it the same for every church community? Because that's uh, that's a pretty broad statement, right? Is is to uh, communicate that we are a living, uh, breathing entity of God's love. That could be for any church, right? Do we, as members of the river, have a, a more specific responsibility, or is it different for each church? Or I think the specificity, that's a fun word to say. <laughs> that's... Uh, that's a really fun word. You Especially know. At late at night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that comes out of the particular context. So all of us, the story, the meta story, the big one, the one that's arching over all of them is the same, but it finds different expressions in different places because, uh, you know, Redlands is different than San Bernardino and it's different than Mexico city. And it's different than, uh, that little place that you came from in, uh, Minnesota, you know, it's, where is that again? <laughs> Duluth or something? Uh, you won't remember it if I told you. It's not. Well, it's not Duluth. Just, just know that my hockey town was better than Jill's hockey town. Wow! In high, in high school hockey. Can we? Get, I'm, okay. In high, I'm publicizing in high, that right I, now. I'm saying that out loud in public. Yeah, I don't know that uh, Jill's going to be too excited about you going on air to hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. And talking trash about her old mother. Hey, you know what? Thief River Falls, if you're listening right now, uh, you got nothing on East Grand Forks. So just saying, wow. uh, state, state champions 2013, state East champions. East Grand Forks. Yeah. That, is like, that is like a Midwestern town name if there were ever one. Yes. <laughs> we are east of the Grand Forks. There's Grand Forks and then there's East Grand Forks. Hey, let me see. Can I say one more thing um, that, about this, about this whole like story thing. So, um, Len, I heard this quote in Terry that, uh, if reconciliation is to be real, then it's to be local. And so it's great to have this idea of Jesus rescuing people and, and redeeming the world, uh, and drawing it to himself. Um, but I think unless that is contextualized locally, unless it's like Terry said, embodied in real people uh, who are actually walking into that in their daily lives, um, then it's not going to be real. And it's going to be more like, it's going to read more like a fiction novel than a story around a table. And so I think um, the more we do this and tell the stories, the more we're able to shape each other's reality so that what we experience is more and more um, seen through the lens of faith and God's big story, his overarching story. Uh, so you keep keep sitting behind that awesome microphone that you have. What's it called again, that mic? This is the Blue Yeti microphone. That, it's a Yeti. That is amazing. That is yeah. so much better than this old laptop that I have. I really love it. <laughs> But I well, think that... the more you sit behind that and share, the, the better we're going to see the world and uh, the more drawn we're going to be to God and his purposes in this world. And I think that point that you make that it has to be localized, that it has to somehow be embodied in a person's real stories is a good way for us to wrap it up. Um, are there any sort of concluding comments that each of you has about sort of the power of story and the role that it plays now and may play in the future for the community of the river. Terry, what do you think? You go first. Oh, um, well, I just, I think it's just been really cool um, reading about it and, and just talking about it because I think um, 
I think we've always known that a story is powerful, but it's just really cool to see, to sort of dig deep and find out really why um, and how. Um, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing people's stories. It's one of my favorite things to do, to be honest. I've done it in the last several years, just take video of people um, telling their stories to me, and it's just the coolest, and so I'm looking forward to hearing all, as many stories as we can find, to be honest. Which is what we plan to do, is is to try to take that big picture of storytelling um, and every month find one or two or however many people in the community of the river that embody that story uh, of how God's moving in the life I of the a, river. I, do I get a concluding thought or was that? Yeah, I was coming to you. I was coming to you. Just, you just I was, no, okay. I wrapped it up enough. You can just. I think, all, right, right, all right. Nick. All right. Nick. All right. All right, Nick. Take your shot. Here we go. I was it's got, say, I was better be good me. after you made this big fuss over it too. Well, We'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, but I was gonna, I was gonna say that, uh, you know, for the next generation, um, for the people that are coming behind us, framing their existence with stories is important. I want to give you an example of a story that that I'm using to frame my daughter's destiny. Okay, this seems intense, but this will be good. I, this will be good. Yeah. So um, when our first daughter was born. Uh, man, you talk about a terrifying thing, um, and that is to uh, to go in the hospital and to not really know what in the world is going to happen in the next you know, 6, 12, 24 hours. Can um, I just say um, that when my first daughter was born, the thing that terrified me was wondering if you were ever going to leave the room so that the baby could be born. <laughs> that was the thing that terrified me most. I, and I did at just the right time, didn't I? Yes. Impeccable timing. Impeccable. I okay. Stay, I did okay. stay awkwardly long. You are right about that. <laughs> okay, go on with your story. Uh, so, you know, she was born, and um, I was sitting in the room after she was born, which was just an amazing experience. And I don't care if you ever want to have kids or, um, you know, just don't ever want to married or whatever are going to be single for the rest of your life but you should just see how life comes into the world because it is a crazy grueling exhausting process that i think speaks volumes um to us about you know life itself that it comes in just you know uh, in a battle it's it's a absolute battle getting here so anyways that's a sidebar but um when she was born, I was laying in the chair next to Julie, and Julie was recovering from um, just the exhausting process that it is to bring life into the world. I was going to ask you, whose battle was it? I mean, were you really well, battling? You know, I don't, I, I don't think you were doing much of anything, honestly. It wasn't much of a battle for me, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, you were a spectator, my friend. I was there was no battle. I was, no, you're right about that. You know, I did better than Will for who... who uh, in his day, they used to just sit outside the room and wait for the ladies to be done with it. So I do want to throw that little jab in there to Will. Okay. Uh, and yeah. anyhow, um, we I was sitting there next to Julie, and she was in bed, and Ava was at her feet. And suddenly, um, I woke up because Julie was shaking my chair. And I looked over at her, and she was it looked like she was sleeping. So I thought, man, she's messing with me. And I said, what? Why, why did you shake me? And she said, no, that was an earthquake. So the day our daughter was born, there was an earthquake. Now, hmm. that is an event that occurred, and that needs to be interpreted. And the power of the story is to frame the event. So what I tell my daughter to this day, is that on the day she was born, the earth rejoiced, and that God was calling her to be an earth shaker, that his calling on her life was to be one who would uh, not stand for things as they were, but would, you know, call the earth into change, and, um, you know, that will be a part of her destiny for forever. Uh, likewise, her name, um, which was another story for a different time, um, 
but I think those story has the power in that it frames our realities and it frames our experience in such a way that uh, that we can be more obedient to God's invitation to join him in kind of the redemption of all things. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, we are going to conclude here. We could probably talk for a much uh, for a longer time, but uh, uh, some of us have to go to sleep. So for all of you listening out there, thanks for joining us tonight for the pilot episode of the Love Shared podcast, the show that explores how God is moving in the community of the River Church in Redlands, California. We're going to be here every third Thursday of the month at 8.30 p.m. if you want to join us live. Or you can head over to the church's website, therivercrc.com. Is that right? Therivercrc.com. And uh, there you're going to find all kinds of links for where you can connect with the people of the river through Facebook and through Twitter and through the Tumblr blog. Terry does a great job with the Tumblr blog, uh, which you can find at, let's see, therivercrcblog.tumblr.com. But just go to the River website. Go to the, go to the church website. You'll find all of those links. And there you can subscribe to this podcast um, that goes along with the feed for the sermon podcast as well. If you have any suggestions for stories that you would like to tell, or people in our community that deserve a shot at telling their story, send an email over to theRiverCRC at gmail.com. That's the RiverCRC well, at actually, gmail.com. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong one. It's the RiverCRC blog at gmail.com. Uh, the River CRC blog at gmail.com. All right. So send an email over there. Tell us your story or tell us about someone who's got a great story of how God is moving in their life. All right, everyone. Um, Terry, thank you. Nick, thank, thank you, you for co-hosting this pilot episode of the Love Shared podcast. I think that is a wrap. Yes. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good news of God.